is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Joman, my co host, Nick. But Nick, no Dan, he's flying back from Disney on a well earned vacation. So uh, we're going to change it up for this one. It's a women's update uh, because one of the, the biggest summer signings has already landed at Cobham. But it's not on the men's team. So to help us with that, we, we thought we'd bring in a guest, an, an expert guest. Our, our man, Abdullah, is, is hanging today. And, and his first time, first cap on the show. We're, we're so excited to, uh, to bring him on for, for some women's coverage this year. Uh, he is, he's writing a book, for God's sake. I mean, he's, he is uh, an expert on this team. And so uh, just say hi to the people, man. Oh, hi. Thanks for the... Uh the big intro. I feel like there's pressure on me now to deliver. Uh, I've got to go to score my home debut now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm to score a hat trick now, but I appreciate it, guys. And that's it's great to come on. And uh, you know, I've been I've been listening to the show for a while, and then you know, it's, it was one of my one of my bucket list items to to get on the show. And well, here we are today. And and now I appreciate the opportunity, and I appreciate the chance to talk women's football, Chelsea, and everything everything around it. So I appreciate it. We we gotta assess the rest of your bucket list because this is a pretty easy one. We gotta <laughs> we gotta aim higher than this one, you know. Yeah, like as Nick tried telling, he's like, "We're just normal people, man. I promise." <laughs> just, but just hey, everyone, yeah. you're gonna love this. As we we've been talking about more and more women's coverage, we're gonna continue to do that. And the first one is a huge announcement coming from the club, Lauren James. Uh, sister of Reese James, but she'll be making her own name, I promise you, at mm-hmm. Chelsea. Uh, she has finally been confirmed as a Chelsea player. Uh, once more, as Dan put it, as uh, we can get into that where her journey started. Uh, one of the worst kept secrets, I think, in the WSL this summer. We'd been hearing about it, I think, around the Champions League final time. So it just got done and dusted. We're going to talk about that. And then obviously on the flip side, we're going to talk about the fact that Hannah Blundell went to Manchester United in the opposite direction. Uh, as a unofficially part of that deal. And then yeah. we're going to react to the FAWSL fixtures. They were just released, so we finally know what the women are going to be looking like to defend uh, the WSL title yet again. And then, obviously, Abdullah's coming book about the Chelsea women as well. So this is going to be all Chelsea women-centric. Uh, we're super excited uh, because this is going to be a huge part of the upcoming season for us. Uh, but before we get into it, Nick, we do have just some very quick shout-outs uh, to some very... Very nice people that are supporting us above and beyond. Incredibly uh, nice people. Uh, Patreon, we have a couple of yearly subs. So remember, you can save a little bit of money if you want to subscribe to Patreon. Doing a year. Karen and Mark, what's up? Uh, Welcome to the fam. Hope you're enjoying Discord. Uh, We also have Ben, who's a new sub as well. So that's wonderful. And we only have one Apple Podcast review, a five-star review from Squillia Maxel, uh, which I think I got right, uh, which is an incredible username. Well done. Uh, please, 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 if you're listening to this and you have not given us a five-star review, it is one of the ways that Apple grades us on our success. We still rank number one in Chelsea podcasts on Apple in the U.S. store and I think in the U.K. store. So uh, please continue with those five-star reviews. And then we have some upcoming pods. Uh, remember, the Chelsea men are back in action uh, this Wednesday. Uh, against Bournemouth so that's or Tuesday Tuesday against Bournemouth uh, we'll have that out Wednesday and then Tweed's tra- transfer notebook number three is coming out uh, on Friday if you've missed the first two of those the first two were uh, strikers and midfielders and so he'll probably get into a little bit of defense this week so that'll be fun uh, only team in London with the European Cup twice shirts are still shipping they're out there go buy those 
Uh, we just have a lot of awesome stuff happening with the pod this summer and cannot wait to get into more women's coverage. Absolutely. Plenty of ways to get involved. So let us go ahead and kick it off with She's Come Home. Lauren James returns to Chelsea. Uh, easily one of the most feel-good stories of the summer. Um, she has some, I guess, it had been talked about, I think, for quite a while, Abdullah. She's 19. She's an attacking player. Usually plays on, on a wing. Um, absolutely torched us at one point in January uh, as she cut in from the left to the middle of the box and just curled it into the far post. Uh, snuck it in she is I think it's an interesting decision so Hannah Blundell defender going out attacker coming in Emma is just stacking the deck up top <laughs> uh, I guess kind of what's your read on Lauren and yeah we'll just start with that as a as a as a, an attacker overall ah it's a good question I, I actually when, when when the transfer was announced oh obviously like we said the worst kept secret in women's football right now because we've been knowing this for like three months like all right when is it actually happening but kind of when it was announced you know uh, a couple of days ago i i had a couple of thoughts going through my head and i was kind of surprised to see hannah blundell move unofficially the other way um mainly because i know that chelsea you know, it, it looks like Chelsea want to buy a fullback. They've had problems with fullbacks last year. Mar- Mielda, probably their best fullback, who's a converted defensive midfielder at right back, got injured halfway through the season. So that kind of started the domino effect of, you know, how do you now play? Because, you know, then Jona Anderson had a few issues, you know, towards the end of the Champions League run. So then she got dropped and then that kind of, okay, Neem Charles moves to right back. And so that caused the whole, like, domino effect of who do you play at fullback? And I felt like... Um, you know, I felt like, you know, you know, Blundell might play a part, but I'll come back. We'll come back to that. Um, Lauren James, though, I feel like great signing in terms of you're picking up one of the best young, talented wingers, strikers in women's football right now. Like there's there's only a handful, a couple of young players, uh, one named Celine uh, Bizet Ilhutsoy, if I've not butchered that Norwegian name. She just moved to Paris Saint-Germain like last week and she's like 18, 19. She's already won a league title in Norway. She's already scored like, you know, 10, 10 15 plus goals. Um but, you know, you don't see too many of them. And Lauren James is one of the, the handful that, that Chelsea won. And I guess it's kind of like the way the men operate, I would say, almost, where they've got a, like a club target and they just said, well, if she's available, we just take her regardless of who we have in our squad, right? Because if you think about it, when you've got Penny Lahada, Sam Kerr, Fran Kirby, Bethany England, you don't really see space for anybody else to come in and actually even have game time. I mean, Bethany England was the highest goal scorer for Chelsea season you know in the pandemic season she couldn't even get a game last season i mean it's it's the competition places is crazy so i think it was one of those opportunistic all right let's pick her up because we can right now and united's in a mess um but at the same time i'm like you know i'm trying to think about it how do you then fit everybody in because then you talk about balance and then you talk about is it now going to be a formation change because then you play a four two three one with James Harder Kirby and Kerr as the four up front, but then how does that work? You know, with the balance of the team. So there's a lot of questions, at least for me, tactically that come up. But as a general signing, uh, you know, overall, probably one of my favorites. That's going to be who, regardless of who they sign for the rest of the season. I mean, this is a. It, it feels like Kai Havertz last year to me, a little bit, where it's like. Do you need him? I mean, yeah, obviously he went to the Champions League final. That's great. But like at the time, there were other positions of need where you looked at and you're like attacking midfield. We feel pretty good on um, right now. But he was available 
everyone wanted him and we were the club that could get him. And so it, it was a little bit luxury with an eye towards the future because in, you know, three years, he's going to be really hitting his prime and he'll be doing it at Chelsea. Um, and so it kind of feels like that to me uh, with Lauren James, even though her profile may not be exactly of a, a Kai Havertz right now. But I mean, you have all of these attacking forward options um, and, and girl, right. couldn't get, barely get a game last year. Also really good. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it seems like it, it could be one of those situations where she plays in off weeks or in cup matches or whatever, and really just begins to hone her craft based on the immense talent that's in front of her and kind of learning tricks of the trade from your Sam Kerr's, your Frank Kirby's or, you know, pick a number of six of them. I mean, you, you, you have to remember Brandon, Aaron Cuthbert used to be a, an attacking winger and now is being played anywhere else because there just isn't room for up top. Like it's, it's kind of bananas. Yeah, I think Pernilla Harder becoming a cam, you know, kind of a, a an attacking mid versus maybe out out striker is an example of something that um, our magnificent coach who has signed an, an extension, um, you know, she's been able to add that to her kind of like skill set of managing all these players. Um, one, I, I was reading the We Ain't Got No History article from Felipe Miranda on this transfer and he was saying that there's also the chance she could become an attacking wingback. Again, playing hypotheticals, right? So we have to see what Emma wants to do with this team. I mean, that'd be a pretty big formation change. But I think at this point, to your to your first point, Abdul, stack the deck as best you can and then figure it out later. Uh, the, the stuff that I've read is she's considered one of the uh, just top-rated players in England. Uh, she plays in the England national team. Uh, has represented the youth sides, and she's one for the ages. And I think what's uh, one of the quotes that you can pull out of the article that she that Lauren had talked about specifically was that, you know, she wanted to come back home, be closer to family. Obviously, well, I guess maybe not. Obviously, she started at the Chelsea Youth uh, Center for Excellence, ended up going to Arsenal for a while. They just had a better program at the time. Ended up going to Manchester United at the age of like 16 or 17. Really big signing. Now, Chelsea splashed the cash to bring her back. It sounds like it's about a 50,000 uh, pound signing, initial sign on, but it inflates up to 200,000 pounds. So, United are clearly banking on her having an amazing career and winning everything with Chelsea so they can cash in on her. Um, but again, Abdul, I think it's just one of those things where. It's very feel good for Chelsea because now you have the James siblings at Chelsea, um, brother and sister duo. I wonder if this is this has probably got to be the one of the first times that it's happened. Um, and I'm really glad she didn't pick 24 because now they can have their own identities within you know their respective teams. Uh, that's that's hilarious. I, I'd be surprised if she spoke to Jane uh, Reese and went like, "So should I take twenty four or should?" <laughs> it's like he's like, "No, just pick your own." I'm. So, I mean, yeah. So I mean, you, I mean, she was wearing sixteen at United, and then she's picked the nineteen. So I mean, listen, if she can turn out half the striker that Diego Costa was for us back in the back in the day, then I'll be I'll be totally fine with those number of goals, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for for Lauren James. But um, no, you're right. I think I think she she's I think she's ready. I mean, she scored about if I'm not wrong, fifteen plus goals in the Champions in her first season there for United they come up okay she doesn't she, she still scores I, mean, I think five five six goals uh last season uh, you know before but 
the talent is there. It's just, it's and you can just tell that. I mean, her first touch. I remember um, the game against Liverpool that they played in 2019, where I think they win the ball back high up the pitch on the right side. They get it into the box for for Lauren James. She takes this brilliant touch to get it away from the defender, who just falls over, and she scores. And then she had similarly, she had a an incredible back pass against Everton, uh, back heel pass against Everton last year. So there are these flashes of like technical and 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 creative brilliance that she has i feel like um playing on a team now that's uh, arguably has better quality players than united did i feel like there's just you know it's one of those things where when you're playing with better players you automatically become better and i think we're going to start seeing her get a little bit better especially in the in, in the fact that you know brendan like you said like Prince lahada being moved from a striker to a central attacking midfielder that change was something that i think chelsea fans at the beginning were, were really against saying that why are you changing arguably the world's best player from her best position to something that she's not used to playing and then turns out uh, well, she kind of unlocked the Sam Kerr, Fran Kirby, uh, you know, partnership, and then they scored like a ton of goals in the season. So, you know, I think I think it's just a matter of trusting the process. Like you said, maybe she becomes an attacking wing back, you know, Neem Charles 2.0. Um, but then, like you said, that maybe then looks at going into, it's almost like the Victor Moses, Antonio Conte, you know, wizardry of like, you know what, you're just Victor Moses and suddenly what you're like, a really good right wing back. How are you winning a Premier League with Petrick as a starting wing back? Um, so we could be seeing some formation changes. I think they need that overall. But uh, no, I think I think this. She's she's a fantastic player. She's got you know excellent touch. She's got excellent on the ball prowess. And I think with Emma's coaching and and, and the drilling that they have, she's going to go far. And so and one more thing, I just remembered. I was talking to Liam Toomey, I think, uh, a friend of a friend of your guys as well. Mm-hmm. He um, he we, we were chatting and he was telling me that um, and training Emma and and Nick to your point, like Emma drills these players in training to the point where their training games are sometimes apparently more competitive than some of the uh, you know the, the quote unquote lesser quality teams that they play in the WSL. So every player is so fresh and every player is so. Uh, match fit that if somebody does come in, so if a Lauren Jean does come in against a Reading, against Naston Villa, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, for her, it's just going to be like, all right, cool. This is sometimes even a little bit easier than training. And I'm just going to go and score maybe like three goals. And then, all right, I'm going to be replaced by Sam Kerr the next game. So I guess it keeps it competitive. It keeps it, it keeps the, mm-hmm. the team ticking. And, um, you know, all for it. Maybe, I mean, maybe we'll see a little bit more rotation this year just because, you know, uh, I think, I think they're going to be up against a lot better teams this year generally. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's true. I, I, we, we've witnessed those training sessions uh, firsthand at at Cobham. We were lucky enough to go uh, watch uh, back in 2017, uh, Emma get her, uh, get her foot stuck in and a couple of things. And it's, I mean, she's, she is all there all the time, just coaching, coaching, coaching. So a wonderful human being, wonderful coach. Uh, second and final point I'll say on Lauren James, because I, I have no idea where she slots in. She should be a forward, but we'll find out soon enough. Right. Uh, as Dom Toretto says, there's always room for family, you know? And I think that's just really, I think it's just really important that we remember that at Chelsea football club. That's all, you know? (laughs) All right. All right. I want to pull out some of the, uh, Lauren's key stats, uh, from, uh, the last season and, what I do want to caveat with this is a player's stats are very dependent upon what the manager allows them to do and what the system allows them to do. Um, but 
her absolute best stats that she has, and these are kind of a per 90 mark and then the percentile she ranks in, she's 99 in progressive carries. So top 1% as far as being able to carry the ball forward. She's 93rd percentile in progressive passes, and she's 93rd percentile in dribbles completed. She goes one direction, and that is towards goal, and she is very, very good at it. Uh, she's also not afraid to take shots with the 88th percentile in total shots, um, 88th percentile in interceptions, which again is great from a defensive standpoint. One note you could potentially have as an area of concern, and which is why I caveated it could be system or manager centric. Uh, her pressure, she's only at 22 percentile. And we saw how hard Emma makes those players work. So I think it's easy to say that will go up <laughs> because the manager is going to require that. So um, I wouldn't get too too caught up in that. But again, her ability to dribble past players and carry the ball into attacking spaces with speed, that is a dream with this counterattack and even just dominating Chelsea attack. Well, it's, it's also really important to remember, because we've talked about this on the show before, Chelsea... Uh, as a club have been um, transformative in the way that they've approached women's training versus men's training. You know, we've talked about the differences, right? I mean, they're different body types. They have, you know, different things that they go through. Right. And so it's, it's just been an incredible, I think, credit to the training staff for the Chelsea women that we have so few avoidable soft tissue injuries uh, with how hard they play in as many games as they play. I mean, obviously, a Marin Mielda is a freak accident. You can't really you know, count that uh, in, in the training regimen. But they're so fit. They're so ready to go. And it's tailored uh, for their specific bodies. And that's just uh, – it's an amazing achievement for that team. And they're leading the way, Abdullah, in, in that fact. And I think it's the reason why this team is is so ready to go. Yeah, no, definitely, and and, and it's, I, maybe it's it's a reason I think for Emma not rotating the team as much, just momentum and the fact that they're so fit that they can play the same team can grow and learn together. Um, I still think rotation is an important part because it's a squad game, not a not a not a first eleven game, um, and and I think I think towards the towards the end of the Champions League, uh, you know, stages we saw that you know Bayern Munich caused them some problems in a leg. Uh, Wolfsburg definitely caused them some problems in, in the first leg and I guess they came back in the second leg and made adjustments but I feel like you know um, sometimes having a different option so for example a Guru Wrighton and Aaron Cuthbert a Bethany England Drew Spence kind of come in and maybe provide something a little bit different that the opposition hasn't really seen much I think that could really spice things up but but otherwise in terms of fitness in terms of getting the team to gel to bond I think it's it's fantastic and you know very very lucky with no with the injuries um and we've seen just the, the Marin Mielder effect like we said before that caused such a domino effect you know in the defense that one injury caused so many issues that you know can you say that it cost them Champions League probably not but it's definitely a factor into it so again back to the whole rotation do you want it do you not want it how much do you do it so that's a toss-up yeah, for sure. And then, you know, like I said, I think we've kind of touched on this a couple different times is that she's not walking into this team. This is a very established squad uh, with some very impressive names. Uh, but you also have to credit probably that mentality of Lauren to come in and bet on herself to uh, earn the minutes that she's going to get. So really, really honestly excited for this one. And I'm sure 
Um, this might surprise some of you. Emma is not done when it comes to <laughs> her summer shopping spree. Yeah, look, she crushed on the Euro coverage as well. So, oh, you know, yeah, she was busy yeah. doing that. Not that she pushed Chelsea to the side, but now that that's over, it's much easier to get into it. And even with the Olympics, though, we've seen a lot of the women players are at the Olympics. So um, I'm sure she's watching a lot of video analysis and trying to get in touch with agents to move pieces so anyways we're gonna take a really quick break when we get back we're gonna talk about hannah blundell going the other side and obviously the fixture at least the big one i'm excited to dig into so again thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show we'll be right back all right nick so attacker added defender leaves just your classic uh swap right here hannah blundell mm-hmm. departs um she's been at chelsea quite a long time she's off to manchester united she's already changed her twitter bio we'll have to see. But anyways, Chelsea FC had a nice, had a very nice write-up. As much as they did focus on Lauren coming in, they took the the time to uh, pay the respects and thank uh, Hannah for everything that she had done at Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a, it is a fan. I know I made the Don Toretto joke earlier, but it, it is a family. Um, and uh, the write-up is great. A, a graduate from our center of excellence, Blundell has played a part in each of Chelsea women's trophy triumphs over the last decade. Um, wow. Uh, the 27-year-old joined Chelsea at the age of 16, making an impressive 165 appearances for the Blues and winning just a casual 10 major honors. I don't know. Just, you know, 10 major honors? Decent? Well- by the age of 27. Uh, Emma continued, uh, Hannah is a club legend who started with us at the very beginning as Chelsea ladies. Mm-hmm. Remember that that era? Right through to us moving to King's Meadow and winning consecutive WSL titles last season. Hannah has played a big part of our success and we'll miss her. However, this is a great opportunity for Hannah and we wish her all the best for the future. Again, 11 years, 10 trophies. Uh, very good. Uh, she, she, I think Abdullah, she was one of those exciting kind of attacking outside backs at the beginning as well. When, when, um, Emma was looking to, to, I guess, kind of change up the system. But again, she just always seemed like fun, loving, hard working. It was kind of there to do whatever the team needed. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think, I think at the time we saw her just flourish in the team. I think, I think she's one of those momentum players. The more she played, the more she had rhythm and time, she just got better and better. Um, but, you know, I think, I think definitely one thing, the, the injury that she had, the long-term injury definitely derailed her. I think that was a major kind of stepping point, you know, stopping point in her, in her development. And I think, kind of what happened between that and her recovery is the team just kind of improved tenfold in the time. And I just don't think that she was, I don't want to say that she wasn't good enough, but I feel like the team kind of moved to a place where they couldn't afford to kind of wait for her to catch up to that level because the way Emma is going with the team that they want to win the Champions League sooner rather than later because this squad has been in, in, in kind of build mode since you know 2013-14 when they came second in the in the WSL mm-hmm. and kind of from then to now it's just been about squad building let's get the right pieces together let's get the right squad together and I feel like if Hannah maybe hadn't gotten that injury maybe she would have been able to continue playing and getting that chance and who knows maybe right now she'd, she'd still be the starting fullback you know uh for Chelsea but I think that injury derailed her kind of everything just kind of fell out of place after that the emergence of you know Maren Mielda moving to right back just I don't think anybody expected her to be as good as she did um Jon Anderson being Jon Anderson at left back and then 
kind of Neem Charles' risk, you know, c- conversion into a right back this season kind of surprised everyone again. And then just kind of Jess Carter, you know, was probably preferred because of training. So kind of all these factors put together, I just, I kind of feel a little bit bad for Hannah. I wish she had a little bit, a bit of a more minutes last season. But um, overall, I think good move for her. She'll probably get a lot of game time, you know, uh, at Manchester United, depending on when they get a coach themselves. But, you know, that's, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, she's only played in eight matches domestically the last two seasons. But then you go back to 18-19 season, 17, uh, 13 of those being starts. And then 2017-18, she played in 13, 11 of those being starts. So clearly with injury and and just the the changing of the squad, she's, you know, kind of been left behind. But that's not really like at her – it's not her fault, right? And so yeah. anyways – Credit to her for going and finding a new opportunity. I'm sure she's going to get stuck in right away, find her legs, and continue to to just you know con- continue to have success in her career. I mean, it's not easy at the end of the day to be a professional footballer, let alone in the women's side. There's competition at every angle. It's an international game. The there, I think is the the level of international players is is growing, which is great because that means there's more scouting and there's more um, awareness of top female players out there i mean yeah it's it's only gonna keep growing too i think there's been some significant tv investment in wsl this year as they uh i think are moving to sky right um so that you know from from bt to sky which i think is a great move for them so there's going to be additional investment and opportunities to invest for all these teams and then uh, you know, for Chelsea in particular, you have an owner who loves and supports this team like no other uh, owner does in, in WSL. So it's it's just an incredible credit. I mean, it does leave us a little bit short in defense, Abdullah. I think that's maybe the concern as as we try and round out the transfer window is you, you lose defenders and, and you've had some turnover, some injuries. Um, so in your mind, are, is, is Emma looking at center backs, fullbacks? Like what's she, what's she going to do to round out the squad? I think, I think definitely looking at, at another fullback, if not two, because I think they, they signed Anique Nuvin uh, earlier in, in the, pretty early in the transfer window. She's a center back from PSV in, in Holland. And it's kind of the, um, uh, in the mold of a, of a recovered defender who kind of sweeps up behind kind of like, you know, uh, mm. Thiago Silva or someone of that mold. So, and she's young, 22 years old, highly rated. So that's, that was a really good pickup. So I think at center back between her, Nguyen, Millie Bright, Magda Eriksson and Marin Mielda when she comes back and Sophie Engel who can also slot in, I think they're, they're covered in the central defense. Um, I think it's, it's at fullback where they definitely need some cover and even some proper competition because I think um, it's the first time really that we've seen Emma not trust Yona Anderson, um, you know, after she got dropped, at, you know, at the Bayern Munich game. Uh, I mean, Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich, their, wing, their wingers tormented her. I mean, I felt so bad. She was completely out of it. And you can tell how, like, Magda's presence next to her kind of, obviously both the Swedish, but then just her helping her with her positioning, constantly talking to her helps. And when she's not there, it's kind of like, ah, oh, you know, potential weak point for teams. Um, Barcelona did the same thing. So I feel like uh, I think there'll be at least one more fullback, if not two. Um, so I think that's my reading of kind of the, the squad. Well, I tell you what, they, again, they got to continue, continue to mix the ingredients in this recipe because as I alluded to earlier, the fixtures have been announced. And would you believe it, Arsenal are first. But before I get into that, we should recap 
the last season, how it ended. We did say Chelsea won the FAWSL title on 57 points uh, in 22 matches played. Manchester City got second with 55 points. Not a large room of error. So Chelsea won 18, drew three, lost only one match all season. Manchester City won 17, drew four, lost one match all season. So we're talking the title came down to the difference of a draw. Uh, Arsenal in third, uh, Man United in fourth, Everton fifth, Brighton and Hove Albion sixth, Reading seven, Spurs eight, West Ham 9th, Villa 10th, Birmingham City 11th, and Bristol City 12th. That is the table. There was some promotion relegation, uh, I believe. Do we have Leicester some City. Teams? Yeah, That's Leicester City right. came into the league, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so 12, 12 teams again. Uh, this is Arsenal fans' favorite time of the season when they're top of the table because of alphabetical standings. But <laughs> uh, as, as I did allude, Abdullah, Arsenal are first on the opening weekend of the season. Uh, and that is a way. So kind of tip us to this. How, how big of a first match is that? And let alone it being a way. It's, I mean, could you have asked for a harder start almost just by giving you, I, I mean, I mean, you got Arsenal and obviously the next two games, which we'll get into in a bit are crazy as well, because probably, you know, three, three of the best teams, you know, in the league to start off with nothing too big. I mean, kind of mirroring the men's run, right? We're playing like Manchester City and other teams within the first couple of weeks anyway. So it's like, OK, cool. Let's give the men and the women a little bit of a challenge after their, you know, big wins last year. Um, Arsenal, I think it's, it's, it's a great game. It's going to be a fun game. And I think, but you know what? I'd rather play them first, just mainly because... They've got a new manager come in from Rosengard, Jonas Einwell. He's um, a very, very good coach who's come from, from Scandinavia, from Rosengard. They played some attractive football. He's he's one of those, um, you know, one of those coaches that likes to play possession football, pass it around, move. So he, he's, I think he's going to take a little bit of time to catch his feet, figure out what he wants from this team. And I think what better time to play Arsenal than, you know, while he's still figuring out his team and not, you know, towards the end of the season when maybe he has a better grasp from what he wants and kind of maybe, you know, he has all the players that he wants to buy into his, uh, into his, uh, into his uh, philosophy and ideas. I mean, probably when we play them in February, uh, it'll be, um, it'll be a little bit of a different story, but I, I, I expect and, suspect Chelsea to probably edge that one, um, you know, uh, and, and take it. But yeah, but it's a, I mean, again, if I, I wouldn't want to play a City or, or, or a, you know, one of those other teams first, if I had to pick, find out of the top three, four, Arsenal would probably be the one. It's a, it's a stacked schedule. Um, obviously, with 12 teams in the league, there's only going to be 24 league matches, which is less than you're used to with Chelsea men with, with 38. Um, however... Uh, you look at a lot of the early season matches, and we play Arsenal away, we play City away, and Manchester United away, which were, you know, those are the top four from last year. Those are the, the kind of the major mover fixtures that determine the league almost every single year, which means that later in the year, hopefully after we built up a 19 or 20 point lead, we get those teams <laughs> at home um, at to end the season. So we got City and Arsenal back to back in February, back to back weeks in February, which is going to be a hard month. And then we finish the league with Manchester United uh, in May. And so I don't, you know, obviously I don't know how strong Manchester United are going to be. They lost the Americans um, back to the NWSL and they 
Uh, obviously, the last one, James, to us, you know, they may not be the threat that they were last year, but at the same point, uh, they're still going to be relatively strong. Uh, I, I look at this, and if I'm Chelsea, if I can get through the first half of the season in December, you know, you, you have some very winnable games against Brighton and Leicester City, although Brighton have given us hell in the last couple of years uh, <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. They're a bogey team for us. Uh, if you can get through that, you feel pretty good heading into the second half of the season, Brandon. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in the schedule. You start fast, you start strong, and then you make everyone play catch up through the rest of the year. That's exactly it. I was trying to do a quick roundup of some of the other signings that have happened, right? And uh, Arsenal, as we look right to them at the beginning, have made a couple of signings. They've got Simone Boy Sorensen, um, a Danish defender. But I think the big one is probably... Nikita Paris, uh, locking and loading from Lyon to uh, Arsenal. She used to be at Manchester City. Uh, Nikita Paris is a striker. So again, they're I. While look, I'm gonna bet on Chelsea and Emma Hayes every single day of the season, but I am excited at the talent being brought into mm-hmm. the WSL this season. As if we didn't have enough drama and enough excitement in this league. I love seeing the continued investment by teams to make the league more competitive. And part of that is credit due to the Sky deal, to the additional sponsorship deals, to the support that the women are getting from league rules and some things like that. So anyway, just the fact that uh, it's going to be even tougher. I mean, Emma and the squad are going to just relish that opportunity. I mean, you want to play against the best players week in, week out. And I think what used to be a big struggle for Chelsea a few seasons ago when they were pursuing the Champions League was that the domestic league was so low that it was so hard to raise their game four or five notches to compete with the Wolfsburg, a Lyon, a Barcelona, Femenil, whoever it is. Now it's the standard week in, week out for the most part, which uh, I think is exciting. But uh, yeah, to see Arsenal, Everton and Manchester United in September, knowing how tight the league has been. Remember, Two seasons ago when the league was canceled earlier due to COVID, it came down to they just simulated a points per match average and Chelsea won by a half a point or something ridiculous in that in that situation. This league always comes down to the finest of margins and it's going to be even wilder. So City are going to be pissed off, too, for the last two years. I mean, I, I would expect that they're they're going to be coming in hot, uh, as the kids say. So uh, yep. something to look out for. Which is one you always circle right at the beginning, Abdullah. So they're coming in the middle of November. Uh, we're taking on Manchester City away. It kind of looks like we're we're front loading the season. We only have we have we do have five home matches and you know five away matches through December. But your away matches are Arsenal, Manchester United, Villa, Manchester City, and Reading. The fact that you have to play Arsenal, United, and City away in the first half. You're kind of like, look, I would take that because if you get into the later knockout st- knockout round stages in the FA Cup and um, the the League Cup and the Champions League for the women, you're thrilled to play them at home in the second oh, half of the season. Definitely, definitely. I mean, like, I and again, like, I mean, I don't think this will happen. But if you're gonna lose a game, you'd want to lose it at the beginning of the season, not towards the end when it's crunch time, right? So if you're yeah. gonna get a draw against a Manchester City or an Arsenal or Manchester United, take it in the beginning, you know, because rather those points you can make up as the season goes along because you know people will drop points. But if you start getting a draw against randomly gonna let's just say Reading in April, then you're like, 
that's a problem because there's like three games to go. City could be a point behind and then, you know, Arsenal could be two points behind and that changes the complexion and there's more pressure and then other teams have to draw. So in that sense, all right, fair enough. You know, and so I, I like playing away first just because you get the home games later in the season and obviously home advantage. We're going to have fans back hopefully this season. So that'll, that'll play a huge part in, in kind of how the team's momentum will go and, and, and everything, but just kind of bring up a point when you were talking about the, 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 the talent coming into the WSL Everton are not to be slapped on. I mean, they brought in Tony Duggan from Atletico Madrid. That's another big signing. And they, they I mean, they're rumored to be bringing in nine new signings. I mean, they've already got Ken Zadali for, you know, Ken Zadali's come in. Uh, she was an exciting player for West Ham last year. You've got Anna Anvergaard who's coming in and Natalie Bjorn coming in from Rosengard. You know, those two are exciting players. We've seen them in the Olympics now, how they're, uh, you know, they're making a mark over there. So I think I think people are are going to be surprised with Everton. Valerie Gova was one of the standout stars of the World Cup. She had an injury, obviously, last year, but I think she's uh, key to the way they play. So I wouldn't sleep on Everton. I think Everton's going to be a tough game, both home and away, and I think they'll surprise a lot of people. And, I mean, they still got a couple more signings potentially to go, so uh, I think I think they're ones to watch out for as well. One major call-out, and God willing, uh, I'm knocking on wood right now, you hear me. Uh, Chelsea will have fans back in Kings Meadow this year. And the amount of difference that that could make for this team, because we've uh, been lucky enough to take in a match at Kings Meadow, uh, it makes a world of difference to have fans in there. And I think for this team, they deserve to have people telling them how great they are. <laughs> uh, they deserve to have the atmosphere. And, and I'm so excited for the fans who you know, potentially get to go back this year and, and watch this extraordinary team play. And I'm excited for the players to have atmosphere in those stadiums. I mean, God, it's so hard to watch an empty stadium and then, you know, trying to gin up their own uh, excitement. And oftentimes fans can push you to be even better than you would have been otherwise. And so uh, I, I'm really, really excited for that for this women's team. So two things I want to call out uh, with the rest of the fixture is that February sucks. <laughs> you've got Manchester City home the first weekend of February, and then you've got Arsenal at home the following week. Again, at least we have the home legs. That's back the to league back. right yeah. there. I mean, and, that's... Yeah. In February's Champions League, right? So that's why there's only two fixtures, I'm assuming, unless there's an international break in there. So again, that's, those aren't going to be the only matches that month. And then we end the season with Manchester United at home um, the May 7th or 8th. So again, as you kind of round out, you've only got 10 matches between September and December. And then you have 12 matches, January, February, March, April, May. But again, all those cup games and the runs and things as it gets to the end of the season, it's going to be a busy, busy end of the season. But um, Can hard I also to just say, not be just excited. With the way that they rolled out the schedule – you basically have weekends that are designated for specific opponents. They don't do what the Premier League does, which is say, all right, Chelsea's playing Arsenal on August 21st. Gotcha. Actually, it's the 22nd. They're just saying, we don't know when these teams are going to play yeah. yet. So it's September 3rd, 4th, or 5th. It's, or it's September 10th, 11th, or 12th. And we're going to tell you as soon as we get close. That way you're just kind of setting your calendar generally and not screwing yourself up on on pod recording dates. <clears throat> it's almost <laughs> as if they don't care about us. No, Sky Sports does not. Uh, I guess, so, Abdul, anything else? I have uh, one more thing I want to touch on, but anything else as far as like the back half of the calendar there that you want to touch on? 
Uh, I mean, you're just, like you said, Champions League's going to be bigger. I mean, that's the knockout stages, the round of 16, the courses, the semis. And I think that's where the squad rotation that we talked about is going to come into play. You know, you're going to have to rotate a little bit because I don't think you can expect, you know, the, the Trident uh, to play City Arsenal insert Champions League team here you know, three weeks in a row, like, you know, maybe like 10 in 10 days. So I think rotation is going to be key. Um, and we're going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to utilize the score to its fullest in the lead up to that. That's probably be my only note. Right. Look, Emma's not trying to win a trophy. All right. She's building a squad to win three, four, five trophies in a single season. So squad rotation and, and the, the high standard that she's going to require is going to be huge. Um, the only thing I was going to touch on lastly is, you know, as Nick, Dan and I are always trying to plan trips to London. I love having this because we don't just go to see the men to his point. We've been to King's Meadow. We want to make sure we can see the men and the women, um, you know, and all in one trip. So, uh, this gives us a little bit of hope. It seems like February has the most home matches unless we go right at the turn of the year for a new year's little party. But, uh, this, this helps, this gives us some direction. So, um, anyways, we're going to go ahead and wrap up with Abdullah. He's writing a book on Chelsea, Chelsea women and their success. Obviously we're biased, but this is a hundred percent worthy of a book. And it just so happens that you, sir, are writing it. So you, you dropped the tweet very recently, comunicado oficial. You're going to write a Chelsea women, Europe's next powerhouse question mark. How'd that come about? I mean, I mean, it's funny, right? Like I've obviously I've written one book already on, on Leon and their success over the last, uh, you know, decade or so winning, you know, seven Champions Leagues and five in a row and kind of just the, you know, writing about them. I realized that there was an itch for people for a tactical, tactically storytelling book on, on women's teams. And Chelsea is a club that's close to my heart because I've been supporting the men's team since the year 2000. Like it was literally the first team that I picked in FIFA, you know, 2000 because their kit color was blue. So I, I decided to stick with that team. And, um, you know, one of my, again, part, back to my bucket list, I always wanted to do something with Chelsea. And um, while the men's team might be something a little bit saturated in, in, the, in, the, in, you know, in the wider space, I thought Chelsea women is the next best thing. And, um, I, I just I had to do it. I had to do something on Chelsea and and being able to put a book out on on their success and 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 almost like you know kind of talk about the talk about the kind of the journey that they've had over the last seven years from coming like sixth, seventh, and sixth in you know 2012, 13, and you know 11, 12, 13 to then going from 2014 coming second to now winning back-to-back WSL titles and getting to a first Champions League final, you know, beating their nemesis Wolfsburg. Um, it's been quite a journey and I wanted to document that and I want to talk about tactically how they're playing, how they've evolved. And I just kind of wanted to tell that story. And I thought, you know what, it's, it's no better. Uh, there's no better uh, story right now. So let's let's roll with it and let's go with it. And the, the first book seemed to do all right. So I thought, all right, maybe there'll be a bit more of an appetite for Chelsea. And turns out there is. I mean, Nick, yeah. as we're as we've like toyed around with the idea of like a Chelsea book club. I personally am like the weak link and cannot commit to finishing books. I'm <laughs> over halfway through the Pat and Evan book. I'm I'm sticking to it. I'm excited. Obviously, with this one will go onto the list as well. Um, but I love Abdullah's take of like there's an opportunity in the women's game to cover this. I mean, I I there's probably I, I just want to make sure that Chelsea fans understand that they cannot miss this 
moment in Chelsea women's history with Emma Hayes leading the charge. Do not sleep on what is happening at that part of Cobham. It is truly revolutionary. And so I can't wait to hear, Abdul, if there's anything we can do to help you let us know, sir. <laughs> I definitely will. I think you guys are doing more than enough already. So I, I appreciate it. Buy the book when it comes out. Buy it. That look, okay. all right, endorsed. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it. it. That's, that's all we need. Uh, well, we'll continue to have a duel on this season. Look, we're really excited to to formally get to bring it on the show and make that connection. I'm sure we'll have updates about the books it goes. Obviously, anything we can do to help uh, get it out there for sure. We have, and just t- kind of speaking to you personally while everyone listens, we do have a Chelsea Women uh, channel in our Discord, and they would love to help promote and probably buy and, and pitch in any way they can. So um, we're excited to help build the the Chelsea women community, sir. Appreciate it. And uh, let's, I mean, let's, let's bring this club to the forefront of the world. I mean, I'm excited to do it. That's fantastic. Anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Big, big Chelsea women update for you. So excited to be able to bring this one at the beginning of the week. But again, don't forget two more pods dropping this week. The total club coverage, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that journey, Nick, is well, well started, and here we go, right? <laughs> yes, I'm. Uh, we're we're taking over the world, guys. That's what we're gonna do. The, the Chelsea so. world. We should clarify. We're not bothered by anything else. So <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of other world to conquer as well. But yeah, we'll start with Chelsea. How about that? All right, Chelsea fans, continue to enjoy the off season. Uh, no, no crazy summer tra- signings for the men yet. A lot of. A lot of just nonsensical updates. So hopefully you can keep your sanity, uh, focus on what's happening. Lauren James, go check out the highlight tape. It is saucy. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.